we are never outside of the tender care of God. It's true when we sleep. It's true when we struggle to get out of bed. It's true when we fail to read the Bible. It's true when we aren't eating healthily. It's true when everything just feels bleak and we know we ought to do one more thing or keep moving and we just don't want to. Someday, you will be strong and healthy forever. Essential to, to our caring for each other is we actually move toward each other rather than wait for somebody to move toward us. Every person is wrestling with those two basic problems. Problem of identity, problem of evil, whether it's coming at me or coming from within me. What is so remarkable in how the Bible approaches people in suffering, fully cognizant that they feel he's far away, is over and over and over again, it says he's near. Hi, my name is Alistair Groves. I am the host of the podcast, Where Life and Scripture Meet, a podcast of CCF where we reflect on the endless ways that Scripture meets us in the hard challenges of real life. Given the season, we thought it would be a fitting time, at least in the Northern Hemisphere, to talk about how changing seasons can affect us, and particularly the darkness of wintertime. Call it seasonal depression, call it seasonal affective disorder, call it the winter blues, we want to think a little bit about this particular way that human beings get impacted by our surroundings and, and what we might do in response. First off, as, uh, as the podcast team was talking about this, we were thinking about what, what is the challenge in, in real life that we see here? What, what are we seeing in our, in our counseling? What are we seeing in our friendships? What are we seeing in ourselves? And uh, our first conversation was really, you know, we don't want to get hung up on, on the terminology. Is it seasonal affective disorder? Is it seasonal depression? Is it winter blues? Is it something else? Uh, so I'm going to use the term seasonal depression as as we talk. But, but the idea here is is one in which the the darkening of the world <laughs> that uh, it gets dark early, it it stays dark late, and everything just feels grayer, duller, darker. I find it harder to get out of bed in the morning, harder to have energy, and there could be a a thousand points along that spectrum from mild, I'm not even really aware of it, but it's probably impacting me, all the way to absolutely depression is a fair word to use for what I'm experiencing. And I think one of the one of the great things about talking about this particular issue of, of seasonal depression is it just reminds us in a very direct way of the complexity of what it means to be human. Uh, we are both body and soul. And when something as I'll use the word simple. Uh, I hope you know what I mean. When, when something as simple as the change of season affects us in such a baseline physiological way, and again, whether that has to do more with vitamin D or diurnal rhythms uh, or just you're indoors more or you're, yeah, your body is shutting down earlier in the day or you have less energy or even just the cold uh, saps you. And again, maybe it's not all that cold where you are in the winter. Uh, I live in New Hampshire, so I think about the chilliness uh, and that, that does start to have an impact. But, but whatever 
combination of, of factors. There's a way in which your body itself is being impacted by the world around you. And as your body is impacted, again, whether that's more about energy, mood, motivation, you, you're having some aspect of your physical experience change, and that's having an impact on your soul, on, on how you see and think and what you want and what you desire and how you perceive. And there's this incredible back and forth that God has built into who we are as human beings by giving us bodies and souls that are knitted together uh, in this way that, that cannot be separated uh, in, in this life. So thinking about it for me, I would just personally say it's not something, uh, seasonal depression is not something I would say I struggle with enormously, although I would say as I get older, I do feel like the impact of it has grown larger. And actually being living further north, I grew up uh, about 400 miles south of here, and I think it has been more pronounced in uh, a more northern setting where that the earliness of that darkness is probably the place where I experience it the most. I, I would probably say for me, it, it, it's almost like I would describe it as like a, a claustrophobia of darkness, uh, that, that looking out the window and seeing that it's already dark, you know, late afternoon, long before I leave to, to go home, there's something about that that I feel is a little bit trapped. I feel a little bit antsy. I feel a little caught in that. And it's hard to put words on, but I'm sure that impacts uh, even how I handle some of the stresses that are there in the middle of the summer. So uh, what, is the, what is the core issue here? What, what can we do? What, what do we think about this from a biblical perspective? Well, it's not like there isn't lots of good material out there with good, wise suggestions. Uh, very basic, more complex. Um, I, I would say most of the stuff that I've seen on, on seasonal depression, um, it tends to be uh, really winsome, simple articulations of things that you kind of already knew were good, right? So uh, talking about learning to get outside, to enjoy being outside, uh, making sure not to isolate from other people, pressing into relationships, uh, reading your Bible and letting that speak to you with the comforts uh, from the Lord, uh, being careful about things like healthy diet and exercise and, and so on and so forth, right? And and the problem, uh, as we talked about this as a team, and as I was asking, what what are you guys finding as you talk about these things? Um, I, I loved what uh, what one of my colleagues said. She just said, you know, it's it's not a lack of knowledge of what would be helpful. It's the fact that the the very problem itself is that one is uh, less motivated, feels less able, feels less willing to do the very things that you know are helpful. Uh, there's lots of self-help out there, if you will, and, and the problem is that we are not good at helping ourselves, especially when any sort of energy drain, uh, motivation drain is there pulling on us on a physical level. The things you, you know you could or should be doing don't seem to be helping, and partly because you don't, uh, partly because you feel like you can't, and partly because even when you do, they don't feel all that helpful in making it go away. What is the uh, what, what is the solution? And and I want to be 
careful in even using a word like solution as if, oh, if you just do the right things, you won't be affected by seasonal depression, or you can relieve it by, you know, 73% if you just do X, Y, and Z. I, I, I have no simple, easy answer. But I do have a couple of orienting thoughts that I'd love to share. Thought number one, uh, there is no passage on Scripture, at least not directly so, about seasonal depression. But the Bible is full, absolutely exploding with help for people who don't do the things they know are right and good and helpful. The Bible is all about help for those who are not helping themselves as they should. Right. I, I mean, there are so many places we could go uh, in terms of you know the Lord in, in Exodus coming to his people who are enslaved and bringing good news of there's going to be deliverance. And I've seen and heard you, and the people can't make heads or tails of it. It doesn't even seem to help them at all. Uh, their, their oppression is so severe, right? So, so we have a God who knows that even words of hope will not always uh, move in and, and make lots of change for us. We have a God who forgives our sins and failures and our repeated sins, right? He's the 70 times 7 forgiving God in the face of us doing things that harm us, that pull us off the path of life. He's the one who says he will give strength and provide us a way out when we are tempted. He will give strength to do the things he calls us to do. He'll be with you. I think the place I would love to to focus and, and probably land would simply be the, the language of Psalm 121, that God is our keeper, that that he is the one who who holds us. And there's actually something about lifting our lifting our eyes up and, and even seeing something in, in Psalm 121, the, the images of the mountains, where, of, of course, you see this, the grandeur and the majesty of what God has created. Um, and, and the reminder is that while the nations around them are going up and sacrificing on top of those mountains to false idols that do not bring any help, the, the psalmist is reminded, <clears throat> this is a real picture of help. This is the God who made me. This is the God who holds me kindly and tenderly in his hand. He's the one who made the mountains. There's something about the the, the majesty of any aspect of, of nature, this almost picks the mountains in this particular case, that, that wonderfully reminds him who his keeper is, the one who does not sleep or slumber, who is constantly watchful, watching over holding, guarding his steps, keeping his way. We are never outside of the tender care of God. It's true when we sleep. It's true when we struggle to get out of bed. It's true when we fail to read the Bible. It's true when we aren't eating healthily. It's true when everything just feels bleak and we know we ought to do one more thing or keep moving and we just don't want to. Whether we do or not, we have a keeper who sees, guards, holds, draws us again and again to himself. And and that has some implications for us. First off, it reminds us that if, if we have a keeper, then every little step is one that we can trust him to redeem, even if our steps are faltering. So if you will, while there may be things you aren't doing, in fact, maybe things that you you can't do, or at least not in the way you would have done them in a different season, when there was less of a drag on you from the gloom and the drear of the season, right? But there are things you are doing and can do, and there is something wonderful about pressing into an awareness that 
it does matter. The simple things that you often take for granted, they really do matter. Uh, we're, we're a bunch of counselors at CCF. When people simply show up for counseling, there is a gain and a win and a blessing. That is part of the Lord keeping you, is simply putting yourself in front of someone else who is there to help you to grow, to process, to change, to grieve, to worship. Simply showing up to church and being among the people of God and hearing words and singing words and being amongst people who are praying Right? Simply showing up to work, simply showing up to family dinner, simply doing some of the basic things. Uh, another of our colleagues once said that his hero was someone he counseled who was deeply depressed and who got out of bed in the morning purely because he knew that Christ was calling him out of bed in the morning. He said, I, I only get out of, the, of bed in the morning because of Jesus. Uh, and and our, our colleague said, you know, that, that is not bare minimum faith. That is absolutely the pinnacle, the crown. When we do things because we are conscious that God calls us to do them, even if it's simply getting out of bed in the morning, and that is an enormous victory of faith. You know, when it comes to all the good things you know you should be doing, right? Exercise and diet and people and so on and so forth, perhaps— Perhaps for you, a step of faith, a, a voicing of confidence in Christ to keep you would be to simply pick one of them and to tell at least one other person, maybe just by text, uh, I want to grow in this in the next week. Will you pray for me? And will you follow up and check in on me at some point in the next week? Just some little way of saying, I, I don't even know quite how to grow in this. I don't even necessarily have a plan, but I want to grow here. Will you pray? And it's a scary thing to pray. It's a scary thing to ask someone else to pray or to check in. It invites you to, you're set up, right? To, to fail all the more, all the more publicly, right? Oh no, now the pressure's on. But in fact, the exact opposite is true. To reach out, to say, I need something outside myself. To, to acknowledge in action our insufficiency as individuals, that we were made for community, for help, to be needy, to, to have the encouragement and spurring on toward love and good deeds from one another, that is a deeply human, godly act of faith. I think about, in particular, reading scripture, right? Reading the reading your Bible is always, always a good idea. It's always a good thing to do, right? And and so often I hear people who, who speak about not reading the Bible or struggling to read the Bible or reading it not as often as they feel like they should. The, the language is a language of guilt. I failed here. I didn't do the, the Bible reading I was supposed to. I, I didn't read it today. And and the come the um, the way they come away is basically uh, I feel guilty and bad that I didn't do it. I need to make up for this. I need to get back on track. Now, of course, on one sense, there's nothing wrong with having a discipline and, and holding oneself to things and recognizing, yes, this would be good to do. But but when I think about, you know, I was so busy on a given day or I had so much going on or I was so stressed that I ended up not being able to eat lunch on that day. You know, about four o'clock that afternoon, I'm not feeling guilty 
I'm feeling hungry. <laughs> I'm feeling desperate for food. And that is what I aspire to feel when I don't read Scripture on a given day. And that's what I aspire for you to feel when you don't read Scripture. If there's uh, or whether it's even on a day, whether it's on a given hour, or you did read Scripture this morning, but you needed it again desperately this afternoon, and you didn't go to it, would you, would you aspire to hunger and thirst for righteousness, to hunger and thirst to hear the Word of God? And again, to the extent that you hear this and you go, yeah, I'm not, I'm not hungry for the Bible. <laughs> There's something, especially in the winter, I just don't feel like it. it and, and, when, and when I make myself do it, it doesn't come alive. Right? Again, let that be your cry of prayer. Oh, Lord, would you help me become more hungry for your words? Would you speak those, that request to someone else and ask them to pray for you too? Will you pray that I would just be hungrier for the Bible and that it would come even just a little bit more alive to me when I do open its pages, that the Lord would do something in me Move me in some way. I'll close with this thought from our uh, beloved mentor, friend, former colleague, uh, David Pallison. He said, you know, so much of the Christian life, so much of sanctification, uh, being drawn into the image of Christ, so much of it is about facing the right direction. He said, you know, some seasons you feel like you're, you're running across the plain like a gazelle, leaping and bounding and growing in faith, and that's, that's lovely and wonderful, exciting. But sometimes you feel like you aren't moving at all. And you need to know in those times that simply facing the right direction is a profound win, even when you can't take a step forward. And he always used to use the metaphor of the undertow in the ocean. If you were out, you know, to to you know, mid-chest in, in, in the ocean, and you turn back toward the shore, and suddenly you realize that there is a current, an undertow sucking out towards the ocean, and you dig your feet into the sand, it may be all you can do simply to keep yourself facing towards shore, simply not moving and not being swept away out into the sea. Sometimes, in some seasons of our life, simply to keep your face set toward life towards the shore, towards what you need, toward the Lord. Sometimes that is the profoundest of victories. And I think for many of us, the undertow of the dark waters of, of that winter season, of that sucking, dreary, energyless pull away from what we know to be good, sometimes simply keeping your face set toward the shore, toward the Lord, toward His ability to keep you, is exactly the win the glory, the joy, the restoration, the, the keeping that we need. Let me pray. God, I just pray for each and every listener as things are weighing on our hearts and on our bodies. For many of us, there will even be in this season a, a way in which the season itself is affecting us. Would you help us to know that you are our keeper? Would you meet us in the exact personally tailored ways that you know we need? Would you make us just a little bit hungrier for your presence, your help, and your love? 